1: The Justin Kenner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station fourteen ten wing AM. Happy Friday! This week flew by. It's been a busy week. A lot happened this week. Like for instance, uh, the week started, we were in baseball season, and the baseball season's over. Well, at least it is for your <laughs> Cincinnati Reds and even your Cleveland Indians. Uh, and, uh, both teams kind of went out in similar
2: yet different fashions. I mean, your team at least put up some runs. Uh, I stayed up until one. 30 in the morning watching that game was a what four hours and 50 minutes not including the rain delays i stayed up and watched that game now if i was like a super baseball fan it was a great game to watch it was super entertaining but i'm not a super baseball fan i am only a fan of my team Mm -hmm. so it is gut-wrenching to watch your team go up four to nothing and then give up a grand slam and be down and then fight to come back and and take the lead, then they take the lead again, and then you tie it up again, only to lose it in the top of the knife, basically. And then you got guys out here that I've never even heard of trying to swing the bat, you know, then Frankie Lindor, he's basically gonna be leaving town this year. You know, three hundred million dollar contract is awaiting him somewhere else, not in Cleveland, and Tito, you know, basically is up in limbo if he's going to be able to manage the team next year obviously the name change is coming so it was it was just like a gut punch of every emotion watching that game man and then coming here yesterday i was in the building doing some production and uh you know i got the reds game on in the back and then next thing i know the game is over and then it dawns on me they didn't score a run in two games Two-plus games, technically, 13 innings in
1: game one. Now, they, again, they did it the old-fashioned way. They embarrassed themselves in only nine innings Ugh. yesterday. The Cincinnati Reds season has come to an end. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this earlier. It, you know, sports are a weird thing. You you go into, I mean, you are so excited every season, and more times than not, your heart will be broken. Every season. Dayton Flyers fans, your season will end in a heartbreak right like uh Steelers fans your season will end in a heartbreak right like yep. Browns fans Bengals fans like every one of us let's be clear the odds of any of us who are diehard fans of any particular team more times than not every year we let ourselves get up just to be let down yeah. like isn't sports the weird it's the only thing that we do like think about if you are a music fan I mean, you may there are songs you like and don't like, but rarely do you get disappointed as a music fan. If you're a movie fan, okay, oh that movie was disappointing, but you're not disappointed, like you're not losing sleep over. Sports fans, that interest right there, that's disappointing. Yeah, that's disappointment. You, there may be some li- like positives along the way, but the way I feel about the Reds right now, I feel more dejected after their playoff performance than I would have had they not made the playoffs at all. Mm. Like I'm not even I don't even know if I'm saying that I would rather them not make the playoffs but I do know that as of 2 weeks ago I had mentally moved on from this team I had already convinced myself that this wasn't a playoff team and that everything you know that you know getting that off season state of mind the reds always crack me up because they do a great job of by December that's why I love reds fest I love the caravan I love the things that they do because they break your heart in September you're over it you're tired you're done with the reds because they always continue to lose but then guess what Only a few months later, you got Reds Fest coming, and you feel all the butterflies in your stomach. You're all excited. You're going to get to see some of your favorite Reds, you know, and then they make you feel like, oh, man, we're really building something for next year. And then there you are a year later feeling the same way you did the year before. Now, I am not going to be as down on this Reds team as most people think. Like, I am very frustrated, but at the same time, I'm not going to – the things I would say about what we witnessed during this playoff run for the Reds – Pretty much are the same things I've been saying all season. Um, I mean, do you have to give credit to David Bell for the Reds getting to the playoffs? Kind of. And I say that because this team spent money to be a playoff team. They were mm-hmm. supposed to be a playoff team. Um, this wasn't a team like, for instance, uh, I remember when the Cubs, you know, the, they won the World Series in 2016. The year before that, they made the playoffs, and they nearly went on a deep run. Like They were ahead of schedule. Um, they were, you know, that was the first year that Madden was with the Cubs and they made the play. They were, you know, taken on, they hit the ground running. They were ahead of schedule. Then you feel good about where you're at. The Reds aren't ahead of schedule. They're well behind schedule. So even when they do accomplish certain things, you want to be excited and happy about it. But then you also feel at the same time that it's like, well... Okay, we got here, but let me ask you, Reds fans, how how excited were you that the playoffs were here? It was a fun game on you know Wednesday night, the extra inning game. Um, they could have come away with that. I mean, it's not as if they were just destroyed. You know, I, I went golfing with a buddy last night, and I you know I asked him, I, I you know it was my friend Brady, I said, hey, I know this sounds weird, but like what what would have been a worse way for the Reds to go out? And I'll ask you the same thing: What if Wednesday they just got beat in nine innings and they only had one hit? And they didn't leave runners stranded because they didn't have runners in scoring position. Like Wednesday, I felt weird after that game because I wanted to be angry, but I wasn't. It was it was it was a good game. It just they they couldn't convert on the runners that were on base. I know that's what's what you have to do. You have to score runs. You have to bring runs in. But I feel like I would rather have them lost like that. I think, or would I rather have them lose not getting hits, not getting on base? Like they went down swinging that day. Mm-hmm. Technically. Kind of. That's a weird thing to say considering how many strikeouts that they just went right past them looking. But you know what I mean.
2: Well, I guess it depends on how you like to watch your baseball. Do you like to watch a pitcher's duel? Because that's exactly what the Reds were involved with, with the Braves. Or do you like a slugfest run, scoring, some type of excitement? And that's how the Indians lost, with runs and excitement. Um For me, since I'm a very casual baseball fan, I like to see runs. I like to see some home runs if I'm going to be tuning in. I mean, like we said with the first game with the Indians, Aaron Judge hit a big blast, a two-run blast to start the game off before I even got down Mm -hmm. to eat my dinner. And then the same thing happened with the Indians in game two. It was a big two-run double, and they were up quick, fast, in a hurry. And I was all excited and everything like that because we want to see runs. We want to see scoring. I mean, you know... I think that's in every sport. Uh, in football, I, I mean, yes, yeah, can be entertaining, but ultimately we want to see touchdowns. We don't want to see Big 12 football, but we want to see touchdowns. You know, we don't want to see the LSU-Bama championship game. Nobody wants to see that. That that was horrible to watch. That wasn't entertaining at all. Um, so I go with, hey, man, at least... That's what I'm hanging my hat-, hat on. At least I got to see a very entertaining game.
1: You know, you bring up a good point. What do fans exactly want? And, again, I'm stepping out of this Reds conversation for a, for a, a bigger conversation here because it, you're right, though. We always say, oh, you know, we like, for instance, the NBA. Oh, they score too much. There's no defense. But then when there's defense, they're boring. Mm-hmm. Baseball, when they have good pitching and there's no offense, oh, this game's boring. But then when there's too many runs, oh, there's too many home runs. There's no, you know, there's no fundamentals to the game right now. There's no small ball. What do fans really want? Football, same thing. You mm-hmm. want the Big Ten's boring. But then the Big 12, you don't respect what the Big 12 does. So what do you want? Like, what is the happy... I mean, I guess the SEC is the happy medium where you Mm -hmm. have defense and offense. So, of course, that's what you want if you're a college football fan. I know I'm not trying to stir the pot with this, but that's why I believe the SEC is a perfect blend of football because it does. You're watching NFL guys on both sides of the ball. You're watching good football on both sides of the ball. The Big 10, a lot of bad offenses in the Big 10. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not... This has nothing to do with Ohio State. I've told you they've played their they've they've played above that conference and they've separated themselves. But the Big Ten, it's it's a you know smash in the mouth type of conference. But we that's too boring for some fans. The Big Twelve, well, that's very exciting. You think you would like that? Oh no, there's no defense. Well, you hate defense over here. You hate offense over here. What do you want? Same thing in the NBA. If you, if there was defense in the NBA, you would be
2: bored because they play like the Spurs or the Pistons did in the early 2000s, right? right? The so, Knicks and yeah. the Pacers. So. <laughs> uh, it, it's you know th- those narratives that people come up with. For me, since I watch a ton of sports, I find them to be fake. I don't believe a lot of these narratives that people spit out there about uh, all the NBA does. They don't play any defense. If you watch Game Seven. Cavs, Golden State. You telling me they weren't playing defense? You telling me that wasn't a defensive game? Because the final score, with all those three-pointers that they're jacking up, with all these great players out there, was in the 90s. They weren't scoring. It wasn't 120. You can say that about the regular season. But in the playoffs, there's been – now, in the bubble, has been a very high scoring. But lockdown defense still happens in the NBA, especially – in the NBA Finals. I'm not sure we're going to get that in this matchup of the NBA Finals, but in the last couple of years, especially the Cavs Warriors, they've been playing a lot of defense. I mean, that's the only way the Cavs had a chance was to play defense in those games.
1: I think people get mad because it's not that they don't play defense. It's that they're, well, it is that they don't play defense. It's not that they can't play defense. It's that they choose not to play defense four times a night
2: when you minutes. turn on a game.
1: <laughs> yeah. But again, it's hard to be, if you want that elite offensive production, if you know anything about that, you're not going to get that at both ends of the field. Right. At least not for 40 minutes or however, you know, from different, you know. I think because, like, the
2: people that say stuff like that, they're a little bit older and they're used to seeing a basketball game play out a certain way. But if you watch game one of the NBA Finals and you've been watching the season play out, especially since his return to the bubble, you've known that the Heat are hitting over 43% of the three-pointers. And in this game, in game one, they shot 20% on their three pointers. It wasn't just because they were missing. It's because guys are closing out. It's because the Lakers play the Lakers great defense. The yeah, the they NBA. play great defense. So the game is just different. And And that goes for any sport. Like, you know, I am a guy who likes a blend of small ball. I like to see guys being advanced off the bunt. But I also want to see some home runs. Ultimately, I just want to see dudes cross the plate. So if you're advancing dudes with a bunt, you know, with a sack fly to score, or whatever. I just want to see guys cross the plate. But you talk about how the Reds game, like they were swinging for the fences, and they're only down one run. Yep. Why are you doing that? It's I don't get that. What I don't that makes absolutely no sense.
1: That's like the line of the game from Alex Rodriguez on Wednesday, and again he drives a lot of people nuts. But my favorite line from A Rod that night was so. Again, you are trying to play this new style of baseball—the the analytics era. Can forget small ball? It's hit it out of the ballpark, you know, right? Like that's what everyone's trying to do. Right. So he said, "Okay, but if you're not capable of doing that, right? Why are we doing that? You know, like you got to play to your strengths." And let's be clear—the I mean, you hit 212 on the season because you're not trying to put the ball in play; you're trying to hit the ball out of the park. But the problem with that is, is that that's not who you are. On um, that, who you're capable of being when you got guys like Moustakis and Eugenio Suarez, but let's be clear, outside of those two, no one looked I mean, Aquino had that magical September. I think the worst thing that could have ever happened to Aquino was that September, uh, or that August, I should say. The, I, I know that sounds crazy. Aquino had that magical August last year, where I mean, he just I don't know, it was 15 home runs in the month. That's the worst thing that could have ever happened to him because I, if you people always like to do the whole look at the back of your base card, baseball card thing, well. That's what's called an outlier. That month is an outlier. Right. Because there are way more months, and again, hasn't had a lot of you know, time up you know, the, the, on the roster, but there are a lot more numbers showing that he's average to below average than numbers showing that he's that. And people just keep looking at the expectations of what he was able to do in that August. That's what's frustrating um, as far as that you know, is concerned. But keep in mind, like, so A-Rod said this. He goes, so you would rather lose playing your way than win the old school way. Like, you are that adamant that you were that aggressive in trying to make, you know, America's pastime a thing of the past. You are that set. I mean, it amazes me baseball is all about tradition, but yet baseball right now is all about nothing but non-tradition. Everything, everything, from the way they approach, a, you know, an at-bat, from the way that they pitch, from the way that they field, from the shift, everything – Everything is non-traditional about baseball. But yet you're trying to preach to me about how it's America's pastime. Baseball is all about tradition. You don't mess with baseball. That's all baseball is right now, is Mm -hmm. being messed with. And I thought that the way baseball operated, and I'm not talking about roster movement or money or anything. I'm just talking about the way it's played. That has changed dramatically over the last 10 years. And you cannot convince me that it has changed for the better. I used the comparison the other day. Yeah, Ron, that's great. You know, he says that he brings up the bat flip. I love the bat flip. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not many people, Reds fans probably hated I think it was Ozuna yesterday uh, when he hit the home run. He was doing some taunting around. People hated that. But you know what? Reds fans, shut up. Because where were you when Trevor Bauer is doing the hollering and the screaming and the stupid little McGregor thing that he does walking off? Which I also don't have a problem with. Yeah. I just like to, bring out the, I like to bring up the hypocrisy of if Trevor Bauer is allowed to show up a hitter when he strikes him out which I'm all for, and I don't look at it as really showing them up. I look at it as showing emotion. Yes. But in the baseball, you know, dictionary, that is showing somebody up, right? Like, they're the most sensitive athletes in the world are baseball players. Basketball's pretty sensitive, but that that leads to the conversation. You know, that, that adds to the entertainment aspect. We're going to get to little crybaby Kyrie Irving coming up here in just ho, a bit. Ho, ho. But if Trevor Bauer who I have grown to like more and more as the years gone on. I've never debated his, his skill set. But when he gets a big strikeout at a big moment of the game and he stares down the batter that he just struck out and screams and hollers and all this stuff, I love it. And me as a viewer, he's bringing me into the game. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see him come back out either the next inning or the next game that he pitches because I like that guy. I like that energy right there. I, don't, I mean, me as a fan, if I'm new to baseball and I tune in and Trevor Bauer in inning number seven of a scoreless game in the playoffs and he strikes a guy out. And he shows no emotion, and he just calmly walks back to the plate. How am I supposed to know that that's an exciting moment of the game? You're not not drawing me in. And not everyone has to be Trevor Bauer. But you've got to allow guys who are Trevor Bauer to be Trevor Bauer, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm Ozuna yesterday, and he did the bat flip, and he did all these weird little, like, you know, I don't he was doing the selfie thing. He was doing the selfie (laughs) thing up the base paths, And he continued to mock and taunt them. Because, again, this goes back to they were upset with Trevor Bauer hooting and hollering after every strikeout the day before. I am all for... Pitchers doing what Bauer did, and I am all for with Ozuna what he did yesterday. It adds to the the back and forth. Because half the time, I know people are all about sportsmanship, and you're all about doing what's right. Just because you taunt the other team doesn't mean that that's the wrong thing to do and it it depends how you're taunting too by the way like if you're up like by 15 runs and you're still doing it okay but in a playoff game you you go through hell and back in a long 162 game regular season or a 60 game COVID season you've been through hell and back to get to this point enjoy it that's what you played all year for you risk all these players risk their health to be able to play in the playoffs and you finally get there You deserve to have a little fun. So I had no problem with it. i just like to point out the hypocrisy. But the game of baseball, when we try to preach about how it's a sport that is all about tradition, but yet you have players and managers and and front offices who are approaching baseball unlike we've ever seen baseball be approached before. You can't have it both ways. You can't tell your fan base that we're America's pastime while putting a product that looks nothing like its pastime out on the field. And that's what the Reds are. You know, and I've said this before, so we talked about the NBA. The NBA, people don't like, some people don't like the NBA today because it's, look how many threes they shoot. Like, single players, in, like Steph Curry will miss more threes than what most teams mm-hmm. took in yeah. the early 2000s, mm-hmm. which fine, that's fine, the game is adapted. But you know why the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson shoot that many threes? It's because they're capable of making right. them. The Cleveland Cavaliers this year were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. Right. They also, took, they weren't even in the top ten in three-pointers attempted. And why is that? Because they're not a good three-point shooting team, so you've got to play to your strengths. The Cavs really didn't figure out what their strengths were, but that's a conversation <laughs> for later. My point is, is that that basketball team right there, hey, we're not a three-point shooting team. We're going to find other ways to win, whether it's throwing it into the post, creating isolation plays for your, you know, your guards or whatever. You find other ways to win. In football, if you're not, like, for instance, the Browns. They're not a great passing team. They have weapons that they should be a good passing team, but they're not a great passing team right now. So what are they doing? They're not going to try and throw it 150 times a game. They are just going to keep handing it off, handing it off, handing it off. But if they had that baseball approach, it's, oh, man, look at the Chiefs. Look at the Ravens. Look at all the good teams. They're throwing the ball. Baker, even though you're not that great a thrower, we're going to make you throw it anyways. That's the baseball approach, Mm -hmm. and that's why the sport is suffering. This baseball is hard to watch, not just because the Reds, uh, didn't win or because they didn't score it's because they didn't score because they keep trying to play in a way that they are not and that's my biggest problem I would have a problem with it in any
2: sport so there you go let me ask you this so the twins are done mm-hmm. White Sox they won their series the Tribe they're done Reds done uh, St. Louis has game what three versus the Padres What is that tonight or tomorrow night I'm checking, there's so many games. It's just, right, it reminds I, I me of March Madness, but I'm assuming, I am mean, sure everything,
1: they're continuing to play. They're playing tonight. They're, they're still They're still
2: playing. And the Cubs are playing now, playing for their lives. Do you think any of this has to do with both these teams being in the Central Division, that they basically played each other the entire season? And... Some of the stats from the Cleveland Indians pitching stats were inflated because they played bad teams like the Brewers, like the Pirates and stuff like that. And teams like the Braves, they played the Marlins and the Yankees were playing, you know, the Rays and everything like that. And those teams are still going on. I just think it's weird that both the AL Central and NL Central, basically, they're about to be out of here.
1: Yeah, the Cubs could potentially be knocked out, the Reds have been knocked out, the Cardinals are, could be knocked out, and that was what we bragged about is, oh, that division right there, that's the best division in baseball, or the deepest. Because like, they have four of their five teams make it, and I'm like, that's very impressive. That's a huge talking point, but they just beat up on one another. It's a very, I think it's a very average, deep division. I think there's just, there's very, I think there, if you played out 162 games, I don't think the Reds make the playoffs, and I don't believe they finish in second or third in that division. So there's that. I don't think that they're as bad as what they've been throughout this rebuild. So to sum up, the Reds. I'm disappointed in their playoff, uh, you know, their playoff performance. Uh, I I feel weird. I, I almost feel like I would have been more content with them not making the playoffs no. than watching what they did. No, I'm like, I think a lot of fans would agree. No way. I think the narrative, like, for if I'm David Bell, David Bell's job was safer not making the playoffs than the way they performed in the playoffs. Because all eyes were on. I think. Yeah, because for one you are you they spend all that money for one to get there, but also like how do you not like keep them they spend a lot of money in the off season, but it was on moose it was on Moustakis. Right. it was on Castellanos uh it was supposed to add to what you I mean as a manager, just like a coach in any other sport, you're supposed to build on the success you had the year before you don't take a step back this team the team hit like two forty nine last year you added two all stars to your offense, and you added akiyama another. They hit 212 this year. You took a step back. You took. A, they took a step back in every major offensive statistical category this year. Home runs, base
2: hits, doubles, triples. I mean, they only had three triples all year. Now the baseball fans will say, one, they made the playoffs and that's important. Two, the other thing they'll say is it was a shortened season, so we didn't get a chance to the whole one. What is it? 162 that mm-hmm. they play over time that would have averaged out to get them where they were supposed to be that's that's what people will say i will say that for me i always i always look at it as all right man we at least got to make the playoffs and then once we make the playoffs i was like my next thing is like all right let's win a, a uh opening round and then when it looks <laughs> things like ain't gonna go my way like man we can't get swept Like, so I'm always finding things to hold on to, especially in baseball, because like I talked about before, I am only that way with baseball. I am more on your wave of thinking when it when it's basketball and football, like, well, you got to win. Like, if you don't win, it's a waste of a season because that that's where my fandom is. That's that's how I know I'm a true fanatic for the Indians, because I would grabs on the straws for any type of victory or moral victory we can have. If I was a Reds fan, I would be holding on to the fact that we didn't make the playoffs for seven years and we finally made it back, be it a COVID season or not. I would view that as progress. Alright, four five seven nine four
1: six four. How would you grade the twenty twenty Cincinnati Reds? Was this season a success in your eyes? Four five seven nine four six four will officially open up the phone lines to you. Four five seven nine four six four. And again, keep that in mind. We're going to take your calls. We'll get your Facebook reaction here. We are live on Facebook. Head to the Justin Kenner Show on Facebook, and uh, you can watch us live there. You can leave your comments in the chat section, and we'll be able to get your opinion on the twenty twenty Cincinnati Reds. We got a lot to get into. We're going to go three and out with the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals. Four reasons why both teams will win, and four and three. I'm sorry, three reasons why we believe both teams will win. And three reasons why we believe both teams could lose this weekend. The Bengals are favored in their matchup against the Jaguars. The Browns are an underdog against the Dallas Cowboys. The high school football playoff uh, is the, the whole field is set, mm-hmm. and we have every matchup here locally. We'll give you every team made the playoffs this year. We'll give you every team's first round playoff matchup. Some teams have some buys already, so we'll get into that coming up around the corner as well. But let's continue talking Reds. Reds fans, how would you grade this season? If you, what grade? Would you give the 2020 Cincinnati Reds? Was this season that ended in the playoffs, although, <laughs> embarrassingly, how would you grade? It? Was it come a successful on. season? We'll d- we'll discuss when we come back. Don't go anywhere.
2: The Miamisburg Vikings versus the Centerville Elves. It's the ESPN Dayton High School Football Game of the Week. Tune in this Friday night at 7 o'clock as Justin Kinner at...
1: All right, you heard it there tonight, our ESPN Dayton High School Football Game of the Week. College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers and myself, We will be live at Centerville for Miamisburg and Centerville. A lot of big games are on the G-Walk tonight. How about Northmont and Wayne? Northmont and Wayne, that's going to be one of the biggest matchups of the weekend tonight. The good one, Centerville. Uh, Every team in the playoff right now, in fact, we now know who everyone's playoff opponent is going to be next week. Uh, Centerville has a game, obviously. We follow along all year, and it's like, man, we just can't wait for March. Like, like, for instance, the Dayton Flyers this past year, everyone was so highly anticipating the NCAA tournament. It's like you build up all year to get to that point. What happens if they lose in that first round? Mm -hmm. And then it's like... Damn, we put all I mean, it reminds me of the year that they lost to Wichita State. It was Archie Miller's last year. And I'll never forget that year because everyone had high expectations for them. They would have run into Kentucky the very next year. That Kentucky team had BAM on it, by the way. Uh, you know, that say you know like that team had a lot of a lot of guys on their BAM. Uh, you know, I remember being down there like when he walked by, I'm like, Man, that's a big dude, but I never looked at him thinking he'd be one of the top players in the NBA just a few years later. But it's one of those where you put so much time and you know. You would just invest so much emotionally into these teams, and it's like, just like that, it could be over. Yeah. And it's like that in college basketball, the NFL, the same thing. I mean, uh, you know, for instance, it reminds me of the last time that the Bengals were in the playoffs. We were at a point where the Bengals were winning a lot, they were getting to the playoffs for five straight years, but fans stopped caring about the regular season. Because everyone knew that the next step in the progression of the Cincinnati Bengals was getting that playoff win. It was, you know, and it's not like they've never won a playoff game before, but you know, uh, within this last decade or two, it's been a little dry as far as that's concerned. <laughs> so it's like you know, it didn't matter. Every time they would get a big win during the regular season in the early 2010s, it stopped mattering as much, especially that last season that they were in, because the only game people cared about was that very first playoff game. Well, guess what? Everyone knows the last time the Bengals were in the playoffs, that historic meltdown that happened at the tail end of that Steelers game, as you're very well aware of. And it's like th- so it's like, man, Bengals fans are like we went through all this all season to get to this just to have it be taken away from us. It's done. And I feel like that with the Reds right now. All the complaining, all the David Bell chatter, all of you know, the Trevor Bauer, everything, I mean so much happened to make this season magical for the Reds that it's like, it's over. How is it over? But it ended the way that the season went, it's like they were they they were who they were. That's the only reason I'll defend David Bell here is they weren't really any different in the playoffs than they were during the regular season. They pitched well. Their, bu- their bullpen pitched well. They made contact, but they didn't score runs. This wasn't a top-run scoring team. This wasn't a top-hitting team. They hit two twelve on the year. All right, But they pitched really well. So the Reds were who the Reds were. They were in the playoffs that they were in the regular season. So it's like I want to be upset, but I'm like, well, they, they didn't really change any. They were who they were. Just like they were the last two months of the season, so it's a very difficult thing. If if you have to give a grade to this Reds team in the playoff, I'm going to give them a C minus, D plus. You got to reward them for the fact that they took it's a
2: team strictly in the playoffs grade. Yeah, oh, a strict playoff grade is a D, is a F. It's a, it, it, a I can't, I can't is is a fail F. them.
1: I can't fail the Reds. That Braves team is the second best hitting team in the National League. It's going to be Dodgers Braves in the National League Championship Series one of those two teams will be in the world series that that Braves team had six games of 12 runs or more this year okay. one of those was a 26 run outburst okay this team can hit this yes. team's good and the reds shut them out they held them to one run in 13 innings on wednesday and sure they put up five runs yesterday but that some of those runs were tack on runs at the end of a game that you just knew was over already that reds pitching staff shut down that Braves lineup and I promise you, the, Reds, the Braves are going to put up a ton of runs in this next series, whether it's the Cubs that they face, who also have good pitching, or the Marlins. It's a 0-0 tie right now, last I checked. So I can't give the Reds a failing grade. To me, it's a C-minus it's a C minus because they like so for it, if they would have if they wanted to pitch well and they didn't hit well and they got beat like 11 nothing okay, and 12 nothing okay, okay. I'd fail the hell out of them okay. but we can't ignore what that pitching staff did I have to try again it's against everything that I am and that is a negative person but I, <laughs> I and I'm being dead serious I'm not as down on them as what most people are because they really did play well and even if you look at Wednesday you don't leave 13 runners on base if you're not active Like, we're talking about the failures of being able to bring the runners in, but at least they were in contention to bring those runs in. Now, that sounds like a weird loser approach to think about this, but I am trying to be positive. I thought that the Reds were very aggressive. They just weren't smart. This is the problem I have with David Bell not being aggressive during the regular season, Kevin, because when you try to be aggressive in the playoffs, it's foreign nature to you at that point. You hadn't, you haven't been aggressive all year, and now you want to try to be aggressive in the playoffs and it bit them in the ass on a few occasions where they got thrown out. It was bad base running. So, to me, I know people aren't used to hearing me be, you know, say positive things, but I am going to give the Reds a C-. C you know, a C. I'm just going to give them a solid C. They get a C on their playoff performance, even though they were swept, because it's not like they didn't go down swinging, even though they really did go down not swinging on more than one occasion, but you see my point. So, there's that.
2: So... Prior to the series, if I told you the team that scored a total of six runs for the series was going to win it, who would you thought won?
1: I would have thought the Braves. I still would have thought the Braves because I we the, we always knew what the Reds were capable of with pitching, but we also knew how bad they were capable of being with hitting. I mean, two weeks ago, the only re- I mean they've been their starters have been pitching well all season. The only reason they got into the playoff conversation is because they started swinging the bat over the last two weeks. So that that's the only thing they were doing the last two weeks that was different than the rest of the season was the fact that they were actually putting the bat on the ball. Well, they went back to their normal self and were they were the 2-12 team that they were as opposed to that team that was hitting almost 300 over the last two weeks. You like this layout, this wild card, that's the three? It needs to be three. I think the NBA needs to go to three. Um, I love the three because... Game 1's very important but I love the automatic elimination game in game 2. Uh, you get the feeling out in game 1. I love that. And then you have that decisive game 3 if it comes down to it. Get you if it's things are normal and you're playing 162 regular games, season games, I hate that it comes down to one game at the end. Like I feel like yeah. you, you play too much, go through way too much just to get one ch- chance. I think 3 is fair. I really do hope that they eliminate the one game, you know, wildcard games and go to 3. Um I think 3 Three games is great. I, and I love the World Series being seven, maybe oh, the absolutely. Championship Series being seven, but the first two rounds
2: should be three. I, I'm with that. I'm with the Money the system. wild card going three, the next round, best of five, seven, seven. Like, I like that. But this is, if I was like a super baseball fanatic, this was, this was gold right here. It's just like you said. It's like March Madness. Because Do you mean the, the format day, of how many teams made it? No, no, no. Just, just a wild card. I, I I don't even mind all these teams being in it, to be perfectly honest, because, I mean, I know we're dealing with COVID and we're home and we're around TVs way more than we're normally being around TVs and everything like that, but just the fact that you turn on the TV and the sports on all the time now, like, it, it's pretty entertaining. And I caught that home run last night, man, and it was – I was locked in for a couple innings, man, and I i don't watch the Padres, man, but I watched that because it was entertaining, and, you know, so much is on the line already. Like you said, I mean, game one is a must-win. You know, we hear that saying, like, oh, this is a must-win. No, this is really a must-win. The first game, you can't be out here messing around. This isn't like the NBA where, you know, LeBron has this crazy record in game ones of the NBA Finals. He has a losing record in game ones, but... He has a great record in game twos because it uses as a filling out process. You can't do that in baseball. You have to come out and win, especially when it's only a three-game series. I like that. I think maybe they should expand the amount of teams that go into that wild-card spot and keep this three-game format. I really like it. All right, real quick. And by the way, uh,
1: David says, what's the number to call in again? David, it's four five seven nine four six four. We'll open up the phone lines now. Uh, but again, I asked you guys to give a grade to the Cincinnati Reds. What grade would you give the Reds for their playoff performance? I gave them a C because as everyone's focusing on the negative of the fact that they did not score runs, they need to score runs. But the Reds were who they were. the they, the Reds were in the postseason. What they were in the regular season, bad heading team, not good. You know, they were a good base running team. But they were one hell of a pitching team, and that definitely was on full display uh, in the first uh, the only two games of the Reds' 2020 postseason run. So what grade would you give them? John Slayton sends us a book. He goes, not really a success for the Reds. Again, we're live on Facebook, and anytime you leave a comment in the comments section, we'll pull it into the show. John Slayton says that not really a success for the Reds. Uh, he goes on to say that the, they only made the playoffs due to the expanded field. And on paper, they had the best team in years and really underachieved. Actually, they would have made the playoffs even in a regular format. And they would have made the reg- the playoffs in a regular format. But uh, I know people keep saying but no, they honestly would have made the playoffs in a regular format. Bell and the staff did a poor job getting the maximum out of them. And uh, next year's team will look a lot different after the money that was spent this year. They'll take a step back next year. I hope I'm wrong, but after watching them for the past many years, I'm pessimistic. Just my three cents. Grade C minus, man. Slayton and Slayton goes. That's my two cents, not three. Uh, Slayton, let's be clear. Your your entire explanation for why you're down on this team was worse than the actual grade you gave them. I don't mean you have bad. You don't have a bad take. What I mean is, there that was a lot of negativity in there for you to give them a C minus. I think a C minus is a good grade. Now again, you're talking to you know that was my college approach too. A C's always great, you know. <laughs> Good yeah, your mic's off. Got enough. So, um, but yeah, he gives him a C minus. But you're right, and and John, that was my whole approach. We had Hal McCoy on last week. I remember asking him, it's one thing, you know, you could be excited about this team making the playoffs this year, but I feel like, you know, let's use the Cubs as an example. Years ago, uh, when the Cubs made the playoffs, you know, after they had Chris Bryant and they go out and they get Madden and they find, you know, the things started coming together. They they developed a lot of talent and then they filled, they plugged a lot of holes in free agency. They started, like, hitting their stride. They made the playoffs a year earlier than they were expected. And then it's like once they made the playoffs that year, you felt like, oh, man, we have something special. We're good this year, but we're going to be even better next year. I don't think the Reds feel that way. They made the playoffs this year. You would think that after not making it for seven that you would feel good about that and think that you're, you know, on the way to being better. I don't feel like the Reds making the playoffs was a foot. Forward in regards to many feet forward to, you know, for the process. I just think that this was something that, uh, you know, they took advantage of a 60 game season. They don't make the playoffs in 162 if they have to play out the rest of the season. But it is what it is at this point. I, I thought that was interesting as far as that is concerned. Let's see what else we have on Facebook. Don Roberts says, Are you really surprised this happened to the Reds? Did you really think they could win in the first round hitting 221 as a team? Don, you're wrong. They're 212 as a team. But, um, Look, with the way that pitching was, the Reds had 13 runners on base in game one. You bring in two, you win the game. You bring in one, you win the game as far as I'm concerned, with the way the Reds played on Wednesday. Yesterday, I'm not going to look at all five runs that the Braves scored and say, you know, the, the last two, you know, Adam Duvall, of course, of all guys, gets a late home run to kind of, you know, seal the deal. But, um, no, I'm not surprised, uh, Don, but I do, I will say this, with the way the, pitch, the pitching performed so fantastic that, yes, they could have actually hit that low of an average, had one to two runs scored. They could have probably won this series with four runs total in two games with the way that they pitched, and unfortunately it didn't work out that way. All right, so. We've gone to the Facebook feed. There's more we'll get into, but let's go to the phones. we got David. David, how are you, sir? Not bad. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad, unless you're going to cuss me out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't plan on cussing you out. I <laughs> never have, never will. Anyways, uh, it's a mixed bag with me with the Reds. Um, obviously, the first thing i got to get off the of chest is I'm a Braves fan, so obviously it comes as... Greatness that we actually finally won a series, but it's also painful because I live here in Dayton, so obviously I'm a Reds fan as well, so that series always kills me when the Braves go against the Reds, so I got that out of the way. The Reds fan and me, it's a mixed bag. Uh, you and I have talked many times about how we both hate David Bell. So, yes, You can give David Bell a pass, I guess, on one hand, because they were exactly what we thought they were in the playoffs. But on the other hand, the reason I don't give him a pass has been the issues that we've had with David Bell for however many years. What is it, two years he's been manager now? Three years? Two years now. Yeah, two years. Okay. Well, in those entire two years, I feel you me and a bunch of others have been saying the exact same thing he doesn't bunt he doesn't move runners over he doesn't steal he doesn't hit behind they don't they don't teach him to hit behind runners well all that came through to fruition in this series if one of the guys gets on first base they bunt him over and you get one of those singles and you come in and there's your one run and then they're probably walking out of game one with the victory uh, another problem that there's been going on with this team for two years. They can't run the bases. Well, that came back out to kick them in the teeth again. Uh, Cassiano is running to third with the ball in front of him. Uh, you're taught that from little league baseball. I played baseball my entire life. You're taught that from little league baseball. The ball's in front of you. That calls on you. Okay, you want to sh- you want to fade towards the side of aggression. Okay, maybe possibly, but there's there's aggression, and then in my opinion, there's stupidity. Going to third base on that ball is stupidity. The ball's right there. The ball has an arm.
1: Hey, they should have. All, they should have all teams know that too. By the way,
0: <laughs> right, exactly. And and then and then you want to try some peewee little little league ball, uh, first to third move on uh, action there to get the other guys thrown out. I mean, it's just it's. And then the, the biggest one to me is you see what type of game it is in game one. You have overrated Joey Votto standing at second base with one out. And I understand it's one out and you don't want to get doubled off. But the third baseman had as much chance of catching that line drive as you and I do standing right here right now today. And you go back two steps and you don't get it in on one of as his only hits during the, during the entire series. That You have to score there. You have to score there from second base. Everyone's going to sit there and say, oh, the third baseman could have caught the line right. No, he wasn't. He wasn't catching that ball. He dove to do exactly what he did. dupe Joey Votto to go back to second base, and, and now he's going to run to third base, and what wound up happening? He got stranded. And that's the problem. They don't know how to base run. They don't know how to hit. They don't know how to bunt, so they can't manufacture runs. And the only way they can get runs is exactly what they did in the 60-game sprint, hit home runs. And that's been my problem since day one when Dell started managing this team. So you want, want me to give them a grade? It's hard for me to give them a grade because, like you said, on one hand, they made the playoffs. So that's a positive. That's always a positive when you make it to the second season. Then my sports smartness comes in. Well, the only reason they made the playoffs was because they expanded the playoffs. You run teams into this playoffs, you ex- the the record out to 162 games, they're an 83-win team. You're not making the playoffs with an 83-win team. This team would not have made the playoffs in a 162-game schedule. I don't care how you spit it out to me. They're not going to. So on that aspect of it, it's a failure. David, uh, so I guess you have to break it down what grades you give. David Bell is an F. The offense as a whole is an F. The pitching is A+. So as the organization has to look at this, you have to give everything you can get to Trevor Bauer to get him to come back. The problem of the matter is is I don't think Trevor Bauer is going to come back to this team because he knows the offense they have and it's not going to get any better. You put all your money into two baskets Mostakis and Castellanos and there's a reason why the two teams that they played for last year didn't want them. Do it real quick, well, Moose,
1: I thought underachieved more. I, Castellanos, I, if you could only pick one of those two to come back, I'd pick Castellanos in a heartbeat. I thought he was the most consistent of any red all season. I'm sure he died. I mean, he played at such a high clip to start that, of course, he was naturally going to look like he was coming down. But even when he was coming down, he still played above the back of his baseball card. I'm a big, I like Castellanos. If I could only pick between him and Mustakis, I would do everything I could to get Castellanos back. I thought he was a good energy guy.
0: I agree with that, and I also agree with he played with above the stats on his back of his card. Um, so I, I guess I guess I was too hard with my initial comment on Castellanos. He kind of talked me off of that one. Um, so I, I would I would bring him back too, but I'm looking at the other ones: Shogo uh, Okiama. I, I, I to me I I know he's young. And I know it's his first year from Japan, but I didn't see anything I like out of that kid. I, I'm so, I just don't. I, I think I David
1: don't. Bell ruined him. From Look, they brought him in. Remember all the headlines? It was such a big deal that they signed him, right? Well, can you right. think of any time where you have a huge signing like that, and then all of a sudden you just don't start him on opening day? Like the Reds, that, he, David Bell didn't start him on opening day. And then in game two, and David, thank you. I hate to cut you off. We just got to hit this break. Again, you know, uh, But uh, Akiyama ended up. Playing the next day, but they only put like, batted him sixth. Like all the press conferences were all about Akiyama being the dude, the best, the, the leadoff guy, which is something the Reds have been looking for for a long time. They try to force Billy Hamilton to be that guy. He has the speed of a leadoff guy, but we all know Billy Hamilton couldn't hit. Akiyama. Could do a little bit of both. I still like Akiyama, but again, you have to use him correctly if David Bell hasn't ruined him already. A lot more grades coming in in the comments section. We'll share those when we come back. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash when we come back. David, thank you for the call, my man. Appreciate it. All right, and we are back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on a Friday. Just a reminder, head to wingam.com, and if you're watching live on Facebook, there you see it, the Pro Football Pick'em Challenge. It's up at wingam.com. It's already on the way with the $25 in Frickers Fun Bucks. So go to wingam.com. It is presented by Frickers, of course. It's the Pro Football Pick'em Challenge, and make sure you submit your weekly picks coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, Kevin and I will be going uh, giving you our week four picks as far as that's concerned. How about the Jets? The disaster that is the Jets continued last night. Uh, the road to 0-16. They got a tough decision to make with Sam Darnold. It's not Sam Darnold's fault why they're bad, but I think it's a situation like they, they've, they might have ruined him. Too many quarterbacks are ruined in the National Football League and Bengals fans got all upset when national media was bringing that up. I mean, national media was acknowledging that a lot of quarterbacks get ruined in the NFL and it's because they go to certain franchises. Now the Bengals at least had a, a you know, they had a at least a, you know history with quarterbacks that doesn't show that they destroy them. But hey, the offensive line could potentially do that to Burrow. But Burrow's showing signs. But look, so did Sam. Sam Darnold showed a lot of great signs in his rookie season. Baker showed a lot of great signs in his rookie season. So enjoy the rookie season because that, that's the honeymoon period. It's that second year where you really get to find out what you have. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that in Baker Mayfield. We're going to go three in and three. Or we're going to go uh, uh, three and out with the Browns and Bengals coming up. Three reasons why we believe both teams will win this weekend and why both teams will lose this weekend. That's coming up around the corner. Uh, David says, uh, thanks for taking and my call guys so will call in later if he's allowed You mean by us, or your wife, or your boss? I don't know. David, you're always welcome to call back in. Uh, We're talking Reds. Dan Casabon on Facebook says, I miss Castellanos. Maybe he'll get traded back to Detroit. Dan, I'm assuming that you are a Tigers fan. I'm assuming that that's what that means. But no, I really do. I liked Castellanos. I think that the worst thing for Castellanos was is that he started out so hot, so his numbers were like sky-high, Kev. Mm -hmm. And then when when he started flatlining and just playing normal, still getting on. I mean, take a look, folks. He led the Reds in every major offensive statistical category, uh, except for home runs, and he still had a lot of home runs. So this is a guy uh, that was the most consistent Reds hitter, but he had such a hot start that if you looked at his numbers, they were declining as the season went on. They were just declining back to his normal, normal. numbers. So he provided what you needed out of him. Mustakis, feel bad for him because opening day, I mean, he crushed the ball opening day. Uh, he was hitting right off the bat. And then he had the COVID scare at the beginning. He missed some time there. Then he had an injury later. So there was two chunks of time, which may not seem like a lot, but in a 60-game season, absolutely, it is a lot. Moustakis was never really to get back into the swing of things, no pun intended. But you needed more out of Moustakis. You needed more out of Castellanos. Uh, you needed more. And forget Castellanos. He was on base, cons. The only reason we're talking about him getting thrown out on that occasion is because he was at least on base. He was trying to make something happen. Got to be smarter than that. Uh, but I'm not going to hold that against him as far as that's Concern. We're giving the Reds a grade. Doug Toby, he's giving the Reds, just like uh, David Diddy, he separated everything. Doug Toby is giving the Reds an A for their pitching. C-minus for coaching, a B-minus for defense, and an F. Actually, these aren't minuses. These are dashes in between. I see what you <laughs> did there, Doug. Uh, I get an F for comprehension. How about that? An A for pitching, C for coaching, a B for defense, and an F for hitting playoff grades. Uh, I think that's fair. I think that's fair because uh, it's tough to give this team just one overall grade. I did like an average. I gave him a C. Uh, people thought I was crazy for giving him a C, but I think, like, a uh, bad grade. Okay. So oh. you're saying this—actually, uh, Keith, go ahead and elaborate on this. I, what are you trying to say? So you're saying this is normal, not easy D-minus and a waste of talent. I don't know if it was a waste of talent. You had guys on base. Like, I think we are—how do you word this, though? Because you had runners on base. It, like, to say bad offense, when I think of bad offense, it's just, oh, they, they couldn't hit and they couldn't score runs. Well, they hit. They right. had 11 hits. They had 13 guys on base. Uh, They combined for, like, 15, 16 hits, and they had almost 20 combined on base, you know, runners on base in two games, and they didn't bring one in. They fail as far as that's concerned. But to to sit there and say that the offense was horrible from top to bottom, I think that's in between. I I, I think that's in between as far as that's concerned. Uh, Ron Morland says, sorry, Kev, one more. Ron Morland, he says that the Reds get an F. Uh, Wait, What? Ron, I can't. I'll figure that out later. We'll try to read yours later, as far as that's concerned, coming up here uh, in just a few moments. Let's get to some NFL talk. We're going to get back
2: to NFL fans. The season is finally here. Get your picks submitted at wingam.com. For
1: so the Reds, are out of the playoffs, but we are keeping an eye on some of the other playoff games right now around Major League Baseball. The Marlins and Cubs playing today. 0-0 tie in the top of the sixth inning. Again, that series, uh, the Marlins lead. The Cubs are trying to fight off elimination. Their game got postponed due to weather yesterday. And, uh, yeah, speaking of postponements, uh, the Titans and the Steelers, their game was postponed this weekend until uh, later on. We have an, uh, we finally have an update on that as far as when they will play. Uh, so that's coming up here uh, around the corner. We'll get into some more of the NFL discussion. Final news and notes uh, as far as the comment section is concerned in response uh, to the Reds. We'll take those comments at Wing AF. I'm sorry, on the Facebook page, the Justin Kenner Show on Facebook. Give that a follow. Leave your notes in the comment section and we will interact with you that way. Or you can call us at 457. 457- Nine four six four coming up. We'll go three and out with the Browns and Bengals just around the corner. Uh, we'll also give you our week four NFL picks. Keep in mind, uh, we do have high school football tonight. Keith Byers will be live. Keith Byers and I we will be live in Centerville, Miamisburg, Centerville. Kickoff at seven o'clock. You can tune into the game and listen in on fourteen ten ESPN Radio and of course online at wingam.com. dot uh, com. We're always amazed at how many people tune in on the stream, and it's always cool that again, so much, I mean, right now with limitations to go to games, still a lot of fans at games for the amount of limit like. I still can't get over that when that was announced. That you know there would be a lot of limits on how many you know fans could attend high school games. Kev, I was expecting ghost towns, mm. and. I'm not saying that it's uh, just as good <laughs> as a full stadium, but I mean, I tell you what, the schools have done a good job of trying to keep people separated, but um, those are still some pretty good atmospheres of like games. Uh, and I, I tell you what, tonight's going to be, a lot of, there's a lot of good games. Centerville-Miamisburg is going to be good, uh, but Wayne and Northmont, that's a game yeah. right there um, that a lot of people have circled as well. As Tonight's the last game, the last week of the regular season. Crazy. Playoffs start next week.
2: Yeah. I mean, you've been doing this a long time, doing high school football games. And everything that's been going on with COVID and now that everybody's available for the playoffs, man, what do you think is going to happen? Are we going to see like more upsets or it's going to be like kind of like the status quo?
1: I think you're going to see a lot of upsets, but I don't know how much of true upsets they are, mainly because you've had six weeks, um, which seems like a good amount of games. But at the same time, you've had six weeks to try to figure out an entire uh, an entire bracket in different regions and different mm-hmm. divisions. I think a lot of teams are going to be not properly seated. Mm. So sometimes if you see a lower seed knock off a higher seed, is it gonna, or a higher seed knocking off a lower seed, whatever you call it, I don't know how much of those are true upsets. We know who are, you know a lot of the top teams are. I mean, look, uh, I'm, Springfield's going to be good come playoff time. Uh, I really like Wayne Cam Fancher, their quarterback. I mean, I tell you what, that of all the players we've watched, and again this is no slight to any of the players we've watched, but Cam Fancher, has been. I've enjoyed my time watching him the most. He's been at fantastic. Chase Harrison at Centerville's a really good quarterback, and we've seen him get better each week. Um, but the quarterback, and Tayshaun Smoot at Springfield's really good, too. Um, again, it, it's, the quarterback is so different just do the GWAC games we've covered. Um, but we haven't branched out there. Northmont, I haven't had a chance to see their quarterback um, either. But I'm a big fan of what we've seen in the games that we've called here. But I don't know, again, how many of these are going to be called upsets. I don't know. I think it's tough to seed. There's no playoff point system. It's just I think coaches were a big part of seating these teams as
2: well. You think that's something that's going to continue? Does everybody's available for the playoffs? I sure as heck
1: hope not. (laughs) I sure as heck hope not. Um, I I, I sure as heck hope not. As far as I'm concerned, I really don't. I, I don't want that. And we've talked about this. You know, I was upset when they expand. Keep in mind this year. They were going to expand the playoff anyway, or maybe that was going to start next year. There's so many changes to everything that I right. can't keep up. But um, they were going to expand the high school football playoffs, which was yeah. a huge deal. But at the same time, yeah, it was going to go from 200-something to 300-something or whatever yeah. it was. I'm not a big fan of expanding the playoffs or having everybody get in because the, w- the one thing that's magical about the high school playoff for football is the fact that it, it's rare to make it. So, I mean, some schools live there, All right, but other schools, like, for instance, I went to Van Wert High School. That team rarely makes the playoff. It only has a handful of playoff appearances. It's not many. But when they do make it, it is special. Like this year they're really, really good. Like, they were going to make it whether it was the regular playoff format with the point system or not, they were going to make it. But, like, it waters it down that everyone gets in. Like, we won't look at that team and say it's one of the best teams that school's ever had because everyone's going to make it. it. Okay. So, my frustration with that is, like, it's an achievement in itself just to make it. It's kind of like March Madness, the NCAA tournament. You'll have programs go decades without making it. Some to this day have yet to make it. Then you have teams like Northern Kentucky the very first year that they're NCAA Division One eligible for the tournament, they make it. Mm-hmm. Like Northern Kentucky he's only been a Division One program for four years. They've made the tournament three of the four years. <laughs> crazy, like, isn't that crazy? Like that, that, they have a great story. I love their story. But like, but when everyone starts getting in, it waters it down. It's not as much of an achievement. Um, that's why the Reds this year. It's like some people aren't really buying into it as much because. Yeah, well, they let all these extra teams in, and it just doesn't feel like as much of an accomplishment. It's hard to make the playoffs in baseball. It's hard to make the playoffs in football for some programs. It's hard, you know? So when you do accomplish it, it feels special. I don't know how... It doesn't feel special when everyone makes it, but I think this year they made an exception for the right reasons. Fair enough. So we have the high school football matchups that we'll get into coming up around the corner, but let's give our week four... NFL picks. we got a big week in the NFL, and that's what we're going to pick up with here. We'll give you a handful of games and give you the rest of them on the other end, plus we'll get into our three and outs with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. All right, let's take a look. Again, head to wingam.com. It's our Pro, it's our, uh, pro Football Pick'em Challenge. Oh, new
2: graphic.
1: Oh, yeah. It's our Pro Football Pick'em <laughs> Challenge presented by Frickers. $25 in Frickers Fun Bucks will be uh, rewarded to the weekly winners. You have to register at wingam.com. So, Kevin and I right now are using that to submit our weekly picks because we've not done that. Uh, we can't win. Yeah. But I like to know that I know more about football than
2: you. <laughs> Come on, man! Come on! Don't do that to yourself.
1: I thought you knew. Come on! I didn't think we needed to do this. Uh, you know, to, to do that. And of course, give me one second here as I'm getting this pulled up on the screen. So last night the Broncos already beat the Jets, so that game's officially in the books. I did get that one right, so I'm up one nothing. I think you should, we should be tied. That's yes, an easy tie. That's an easy one. All right, let's kick things off with this a Week One matchup or a Week Four matchup with the Colts and the Bears. Ooh. Who's winning this matchup right here? The Bears are the are the worst undefeated team in the National Football League. But they did look like a completely different football team when Nick Foles came into the game. You have Nick Foles against
2: Phillip Rivers, Bears-Colts. The Colts are a three-point favorite. What say you? I'm going with the Bears, man. Why not pick the Bears? I'm a Nick Foles guy, and I think that Phillip Rivers is done. So that's as simple as it's going to get for me. All right, I think I'm going to pick the,
1: the Colts in this situation. Two and one are the Colts. The Bears, three and oh. It would be. I mean, imagine if the Bears started out four and zero. Can you think of any teams that start off the undefeated the first month of the season and they made a quarterback change and there's a lot of controversy there? That's true. The Bears could start out four and zero. The Colts are a three point favorite. I, we're going to give our upset picks here shortly. This is. I don't really count this as an upset. The Colts been, but I mean technically yes. But I'm going with the Bears. I think the Bears. I should change my mind. I'm going with the Bears. I think they improved to four and zero. I'm okay. picking the Bears. All right, the Bears. So there you go. All right, up next the Saints. The Lions. How about the the Lions getting a surprise win last week against the Very Cardinals? Uh, you know the you know the Cardinals were a two and zero team to start, and I, no one really gave the Lions a lot of chance here. But they're a four point underdog. Saints a four point favorite. I Troutman got a lot of playing time with the Saints last week, which is pretty cool. Do the Saints improve to two and two on the season? Do My, they beat the Lions?
2: Michael Thomas is back in the lineup. Saints win. That simple. That simple. He, Drew Brees gets his number one weapon back. Uh, you know, we can talk about Drew Brees being done. I've been saying that for a couple of years now. But when you have a receiver like Mike Thomas who can take those short passes and Debo people all the way to the end zone, it makes him that much better. So Saints are going to win this game.
1: David Shaw says he picks the Colts. They've been sacked twice through the first three games. Not bad. That's that offensive line that if I'm the Colts, I'm still knocking on Andrew Luck's door at the end of the year and saying, hey, like what we did for Old Man Rivers over here. Imagine what we can do for you, Mr. Luck. That offensive line is something. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, that, that's pretty cool uh, to be able to brag about that. All right, so moving on the Seahawks and the Dolphins. Seattle, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Who you got in this one?
2: Soon-to-be MVP, Russell Wilson and the boys winning this game.
1: This is my upset pick of the week right here, the Dolphins. The fans, the fish, the Dolphins right here. I'm picking the Dolphins. The Dolphins are the only team in the National Football League right now to not turn the ball over. They play a safe style of offense. You have, obviously, an offense that's coming off their first win of the season. I don't think the Dolphins are that good. I just think that this is a good upset pick right here. Again, the Dolphins, a a a six-and-a-half-point favorite is Seattle, but I'm going to pick the Dolphins. The Dolphins have yet to turn the ball over this year, and the Seahawks' defense is not good. They, They have no pass rush. At all. And... Look what happened when Fitzpatrick had a lot of time to throw the ball two week or last week. I, I, I'm picking the Dolphins. That's my upset pick. Seattle's the six and a half point favorite, but on our on our NFL Pro Football and Challenge, I am picking the Dolphins over the Seahawks.
2: And it's Seattle traveling all the way to Miami. You know, what I'm saying that's the furthest distance you can travel from one city to another in the NFL. So, and it's a one o'clock kick. So you might be right. I know I am. I'm going to be right
1: telling you plot upset people are filling out their their picks right now They're gonna be upset for picking the Seahawks up next we got Ron's Buccaneers a seven point favorite welcoming in Justin Herbert and the Chargers Justin Herbert will make his second start of his career a uh, third start of his career I'm sorry uh, the, again the Bucs seven point favorite I'm taking the Buccaneers in this one uh, it's going to be I mean pretty good very good defense very good offense the Chargers not that good it's, this is a simple one I'm taking the Buccaneers right here
2: yeah I'm going with the Buccaneers as well
1: Washington and Baltimore. Baltimore got spanked on Monday Night Football. Be more. I I really want to see here, again, yes, Baltimore's winning this one, but I want to see how Baltimore responds. Because all year long you play the game knowing that you're one of the top teams in the National Football League, and it's easy to perform at a high level when you know that. But when you doubt yourself, when you've seen the best team in the National Football League hand it to you the way that they did, does it change your approach, your morale? Your confidence. Baltimore beats Washington, but I think it's going to be an ugly game. They are a 14-point favorite, and I don't think the Ravens look sharp in this game. They're going to get a win because it's Washington. They don't have to play their best game to win, but I think you're going to see a little bit of a hangover and a little bit of doubt. They'll get this win, and then I think they'll bounce back next week, but I think they're going to be a little rough in this one. They're a 14-point favorite. 14-point favorite. They definitely
2: don't cover that. It's like you said. It's going to be an ugly game because Washington still has a good defense. Obviously, the Ravens have a good defense. It's just the fact that, you know, our guy Dwayne Haskins he is struggling with the Washington football team. Terry McLaurin is questionable for the game. Uh, also, um, Chase Young is out for the game. So a lot of Buckeyes are out for the Washington Buckeyes. So going to just go with Baltimore. Yeah, Lamar Jackson has carried the ball hundred.
1: Uh, sorry, he's carried the ball thirty-two times for 182 yards this year. So uh, he, I think he's going to add to that run total. I don't think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him coming up this Sunday. Cardinals started the season out 2-0. We're upset, I guess, if you want to call it an upset, to the Lions last week. I don't know how good this Cardinals team is, but they uh, welcome in the Panthers. Arizona a three-point favorite. This can go either way, but I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I'm a big Kyler Murray fan. I love the way he started out the season. The Teddy Bridgewater, he's had... You know, a lot of yards to start, but not a lot of touchdowns. They don't right. have a lot of scoring threats over there. I, I'm taking the Cardinals in this one.
2: Yeah, they're missing Christian McCaffrey. Like you said, Teddy is a safe passer. ton of yards, but like that weapon, that guy that can go up and get the ball, they don't have that inside the red zone. And them, without McCaffrey, their number one guy, it's hard for them to score the ball. So I'm going to go with Arizona. All right, up next we got the Texans and the Vikings. Houston, a
1: four-point favorite. I mean, these are two two 0-3 teams. I actually have this one circled as one of the games I'm looking forward to the most. Both teams are desperate. Uh, I don't think the Vikings, I know you're very down on them, I don't think the Vikings are as bad as what they've played the first three weeks of the season. I definitely don't think the Texans are as bad. But these teams have major deficiencies that have been, you know, their flaws have definitely shown, and that's why they're 0-3 to start. I don't know if either of these are playoff teams at this very moment, but this game could be the one game that we look at for either of these teams and say, hey, When this team turned it around, it was that week four matchup. And this this could be a lot on this one. I'm going to pick Houston just because it's the better quarterback, more consistent quarterback. But both teams are really struggling. I think the Vikings have more talent on their roster than the Texans do. But I'm always going to go in a close one like this. I'll always go with the better quarterback. And that's obviously Deshaun Watson.
2: I think this is going to be one of the more entertaining games of the week. I'm going to go with Minnesota. Um, finally, Jefferson started catching some passes for them. Their rookie receiver out of LSU. So I'm gonna roll with the Vikings reluctantly.
1: Alright, on to the next one. How about this? The Giants and the Rams. Giants 0-3. I mean, they're battling it out with the Jets uh, to try to be the worst football team in, in 2020. Um, so the Giants are 0-3. They're going up against the 2-1 and Rams. The Rams are an interesting team. This isn't the sexiest Rams roster that they've had in a while, but this looks more like one of the smoothest teams that Sean McVay has had. We'll see what we're, if we're still talking about them here in a few months, but a uh, very impressive start for them, 2-1. and one. They are a 13-point favorite. This is an easy one. I'm taking Jared Goff from the Rams.
2: Yeah, rolling with the Rams. They could easily be 3-0 and right now. You know that. Got that loss last week to Buffalo, but definitely going with the Rams. I mean, the Giants, man. The Giants and the Jets, man. It's the race to 0-16. Eagles, Niners. San Francisco a 7-point
1: favorite. They beat up on the Giants last week they got a bad Eagles team coming in. The Niners, who are injured all over the place. They're going to get this win. They're going to be 3-1, and, and very similar to the Bears, I'm looking at two teams who have had hot starts at least the first month of the season and say, yeah, I'm not buying it. I don't buy either of these teams, the Eagles or the Niners, but I'm going to go with the Niners here. Again, that defense and the struggling Eagles offense against the 49ers defense, which is still solid, even without Nick Bosa, and a couple of their secondary guys, I'm picking the Niners.
2: Call Keith Byers. We're rolling with Philly. I'm you rolling, rolling with, with Philly? I'm rolling with Philly. I think the injuries finally catch up to San Fran in this Sunday night matchup. All right, Eagles,
1: Niners on Sunday. And, again, Niners a seven-point favorite. I'm picking the Niners. Kev's picking an upset. If it is an upset, uh, he's picking the Eagles. You mentioned the Bills earlier. The Bills are undefeated, and they might be the new shiny toy on the block, again, especially with Tom Brady out of that division. The Bills are 3-0. and the Raiders are two and one. Buffalo is a three-point favorite. Mm. I'm picking Buffalo. I don't like that line. I think the Bills blow them out. I think they win by at least really? fourteen. The, B- the Bills are legit. I watched them last week. I was very impressed with them. They look they look legit. Like it's not one of the like. I'm looking at the Bears who are undefeated. The Niners are two and one. They're going to be three and one. I watched the Bills and they look like a legit football team on both sides of the ball. I'll I'm sold out. on
2: Josh Allen. Josh Allen. If they if they blow the Raiders out this weekend, we're going to have... Because they're going to have fans in the stands being rowdy. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys, and I can't wait to watch this game. I'll be texting you the whole game. Yeah, yeah I'm picking the
1: Cowboys. I want the Browns to win. Don't get me wrong. And when they, if, they, if and when they win, I'll be very happy. But I'm picking the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys' offensive attack is just too strong. I'm telling you that right now. That uh, Dak has played way better than I anticipated. Now, can, can he keep it going? Right. That that's going to be the big question mark there. Washington and Dallas tied for first place in the <laughs> NFC least at one and two. So to your point, Dallas isn't as desperate, right, for a win as what Cleveland would be. Cleveland desperately needs wins. For Cleveland to make the playoffs, they're going to have to win one to two games that they should not have won. Dallas is going to be one of those. I believe they're going to split with with uh, Pittsburgh. Yes, um, they'll take both from Cincinnati. They already have one. I. I called a split with Baltimore. They're going to have. They're going to have to. And I'm not talking about division opponents. They're going to have to beat opponents outside of the division to be able to get to that 12 win mark that I talked about. So, I, you know, they need to beat the Cowboys. I'm just not picking them to beat the Cowboys, but they are capable of it. But again, so much has to go right. I'm not picking the Browns. This is no. big
2: for you, Kinder Bowl, Road to 12 and four. Got a lot of them line, man. They'll be fine. <laughs> They'll be fine. My faith in Baker has kind of dwindled just a tad. I don't
1: like, the, you know, the fact that you have to keep the ball out of his hands so much. For the Browns to win, that means he's not... If, if you have to dumb your offense down because you don't have a quarterback to air it out,
2: you don't have a quarterback. So are you a fan of the team or Baker?
1: Both, but my faith has kind of dwindled a little bit on Baker. That's all. That's all. All right, folks, we'll we'll go three and out with the Browns and Bengals coming up here in about 20 minutes. When we come back, a lot of big high school football matchups tonight to close out the regular season. The playoffs begin next week. We have your playoff matchups for Springboro, Miamisburg, Fairmont, Beaver Creek, Northmont, Springfield, Wayne, all the G-Walk. We have Alter. We have everybody in here. Xenia, Troy, Fairborn. We have it all. Franklin, Greenville, St. Mary's, uh, CJ, Bellbrook. I mean... This is a lot of, look at this, a lot, a lot of playoff matchups right here. So if your team, you would be listening out for your team and uh, let us know what you think. You feel good about all these teams in the playoffs? Is it okay for one year? Do you want to see it stay moving forward? We'll talk a little high school football when we come back. (laughs) Our ESPN Dayton High School Football Game of the Week tonight features the Miami Bird Vikings at the Centerville Elks. It's the final week of the regular season. The playoffs begin next week, and we're excited to close out the regular season tonight in Centerville, Miamisburg at Centerville. You can tune into the game at 7 p.m. You can listen live at 1410 Wing AM or stream it live at wingam.com. College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers and myself, we will be on the call for that matchup tonight as we close out the regular season. Uh, as I mentioned, playoffs begin next week, and there's a lot of playoff games. Every team is in. So let's take a look, or at least uh, let's take a peek, I should say, uh, at what these playoff matchups look like. Let's start in Division One, Region Two. Kev. you're going to have Beaver Creek, who's a 16th seed. Beaver Creek's had a rough season. They're going up against Dublin Coffin, the one seed. <laughs> so, yeah, good luck, be, guys. Good luck. Uh, that, that's going to be rough for them. But again, they get they get into the playoffs as far as that's concerned. Uh, Springboro, an eight seed, going up against Finley. Man, Finley, they must not have a lot of. I mean, for Finley. In Springboro, the gap between both of those schools, distance wise, is hours.
2: It's what, about two?
1: Two and a half? A little more than that. That's Finley's on the way to Toledo, Toledo, right? Yeah.
2: It's like, right before you get the bowling green. Finley in, would be right? about
1: an hour and a half. No, that's, that's two hours. Man, that's that's ways away. It's a hump. So, Either way. Springboro and, 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 and Finley, is, that's quite the gap as far as I'm concerned. Miamisburg is a 13 seed. We have Miamisburg tonight. They'll be going up against uh, Powell, Olentangy, Liberty. That is a four seed. Mm-hmm. It'll be a solid matchup there. Fairmont and Perrysburg.
2: Shots out to Miamisburg. My uh, nephew plays for them. Fullback. Sophomore. Scored his first varsity touchdown last week. Akio, Perry, what's up? Oh, nice. You also
1: get Perry's bird. <laughs> Perry Perry connection there. Battle of the yeah. Perries. All right. Uh Northmont against Middletown. Northmont, uh, who has Wayne tonight. Uh, I tell you what, that's gonna be an outstanding match there. Northmont and Middletown. Northmont a uh, two seed. Um Matthew Gaines' is Perrysburg's is up by a- or uh, is up by Akron too. So again, some of these schools and you know these regions are there's pretty big gaps here. But again, everyone's in, that's what you got as far as this D two or D one region
2: two. See, region. that's the thing about it, man. Like They opened it up. Everybody's playing. That's great. But the bummer is everybody can't go. Everybody can't be in the stands. Like, you know, in this one-off situation, man, you will want the entire student body to be able to go. You want the band to go. You want the cheerleaders. You want the parents. You want the students. In there, the friends and everything like that, the aunts and uncles, and this is this is big. This is this is a huge thing, man. You know, a lot of these schools never even been to the playoffs before. They're gonna be playing in the playoffs. So I mean, we talk about like, oh man, you know, Beaver Creek's going up against a big time powerhouse from Columbus and everything like that. But it's still an honor to go to the playoffs, and it's up to them to enjoy this moment. You know, you don't know if you'll be back next season because hopefully, you know, we'll be back to some type of normal. Normal. See where they don't have to expand the playoffs to everybody being in.
1: Shaw says one hour fifty three minutes. Shaw, is that uh, the the Akron one we were? Or not the Akron one we were talking Finley. about. The Finley. That don't sound right. My brother lived in Finley for a while, and I thought it was a lot farther than that. At least that was the excuse as to why I never went to go visit him. Really sure. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as that, Springfield, a three seed, Toledo Whitmer in the first round, Wayne, and Centerville. We, we uh, Wayne and Centerville was our game of the week a few weeks ago, and that was one of those. That was
2: that's a playoff matchup. Yep, yeah. get your popcorn ready.
1: Yep, six seed Wayne, eleven seed Centerville. So we get to see Centerville tonight. We just saw Wayne uh, last week, and uh, I'll tell you what, both of those teams are two weeks ago, I should say. But either way, that yeah, very good game as far as that's concerned. I like it. Uh, we saw Wayne last week. I'm sorry. Yeah, so Wayne. That I love that quarterback, uh, Fancher. He, he's great. So, again, a lot of, I mean, again, pretty much the entire G-Walk in Division One, pretty much. Beaver Creek, Dublin, Kaufman, Springboro, Finley, Miamisburg, Powell, Olentangy, G-Liberty, Fairmont against Perrysburg, Northmont against Middletown, Springfield against Toledo-Whitmer, um, and Wayne versus Centerville. Matthew Gaines said he goes, uh, Toledo, not Akron. So there you go. Mm. So that was Division one region two let's head over to Division two. Xenia is a seventeen seed going up against New Carlisle Tecumseh as far as that their first round matchup uh Troy is a nine seed uh against franklin Heights. Uh, and then you have Fairborn against Cincinnati withrow um so again there's less of these local matchups too as we go on. I mean a lot of division one representation as far as that is concerned let's move on to the division three uh region twelve let's go to uh, c j We'll have Cincinnati Northwest. Saint Mary's out of the WBL up north will go up against Greenville. So that's uh interesting. Have Franklin and Vandalia Butler. By the way, CJ, if CJ beats Cincinnati Northwest, which they you know, that's a eighteen versus seventeen seed, they go on to face the one seed in Belbrook. So that that'll be a good one there. Bellbrook gets a buy. I wonder how much
2: these games will be televised.
1: Yeah, uh, that I do not have that information on. That, I do not have that information. I mean, there's so, I mean, only so so many <laughs> TV networks and every team's in. Check that's going to be tough. Franklin and Vandelia Butler. Uh, Tip City, as long as this bracket didn't get cut off, uh, will go up against opponents as far as that's concerned. Salina uh, and Carroll. Salina from the WBL yeah. will be going up against Carroll. That'll be a good matchup there. Dayton Dunbar uh, against Aiken. The winner will go on to face Alter. And then Trotwood is a 3C. They'll take on the winner between Carroll and Salina.
2: Okay. Like see, I mean I know I know you're not a fan of this, but I like this. I like it as a one off. I don't want this to be the every year thing, but I, I I'm kinda excited, man. I'm not even gonna front. I'm kinda excited for this. Just to see what happens. It's gonna be a lot of wait it's gonna be a waste of a
1: Friday night. Everyone's gonna be blown out. <laughs> we don't know. Well we know. <laughs> oh, we know. Thurgood Marshall. Uh has Washington in the first round. They'll go on to play uh, Clarksville, Clinton Massey. Um yeah, who has a buy, obviously. And then Waynesville is an eight seed. They have a first-round buy. Uh, they'll be taking on the winner between Urbana and Bethel. Again, not a lot of the, these matchups. Here. Uh, Meadowdale, Cincinnati Taft, and Versailles has a bye. They'll take on the winner uh, between Shawnee and Claremont, Northeastern. So there's that matchup there. Tip City, Bethel, again, uh, they have, Made- was it Madeira? I always get them, I always say that wrong. Medina? No, Madeira. Madeira. It's by Cincinnati, I thought. Oh, okay. I'm butchering these. Holy smokes. Uh, Cold water. Yes, out of the back, then first round by, they'll take on the winner. And the, these brackets are so dang small. Uh, you could barely, you know, Fort Recovery is a first round by. Anna uh, will go up against uh, Miami East. Arcana is in. And uh, yeah, Rockford Parkway. I don't know why they. I hate when they do that one. These get so specific on that rock. It's just Parkway. We always refer to them as Parkway.
2: All right. You know about this a lot better than I do. Doubt it. Why are. I thought, like, Dayton and Cincinnati were lumped into a region. I think it's easier to do when you're only having x amount of teams make the playoffs. Okay,
1: okay. I think this whoever and by the way I got to find out whoever was a part of this schedule making. <sighs> I Nightmare. give. I mean, I Nightmare. yeah. Good for them. Uh, good for them. Troy Christian. Uh, you, the win. If Troy Christian wins their matchup against uh, Ridgmonton, they'll go on to play Fort Loramie. Uh, Maria Stein, Marion Local, they'll take on the winner between Mississippi Valley and Cedarville. Maria Stein obviously has a first round by, mm-hmm. uh, and then of course my school Van Wert. They're playing. They have a first-round bias. Oh, he's this Go Van Wert. <laughs> this guy. Let's put it this way: they're not known for football. Hey man, I'm not sure what they're known for, but they're not known for football. <laughs> but they are doing pretty good this year. All right, hour two. Is Don't apologize in- for winning, man. Mm, gotta do, we gotta do. Speaking of winning, let's talk some Browns. Speaking of losing, let's talk some Bengals. Even though the Bengals are going to win this week and the Browns are probably going to lose, but hey, that is what it is. Let's go three and out with the Browns and Bengals. Three reasons why both teams will win. Three reasons why they will lose. Hour three, Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, next. It's the Justin
0: Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN
2: Radio.
1: We are back. A bit of a longer. We uh, get any deeper into the show. Let's kick things off here this hour with, of course, going three and out with the Browns and Bengals. We'll start with the Cleveland Browns. Let's go three and out.
0: Bengals. Justin Kenner and Kev Nash go three
1: and out. We'll start with the Cleveland Browns. Three reasons. We're going three and out with the Browns, three and out with the Bengals. Three reasons why I believe that the Browns are going to win coming up on Sunday, even though I've already predicted them to lose. (laughs) But Here are the three reasons why I believe that they are capable of winning. For one, Dallas against the run is 22nd in the National Football League. They've given up almost 400 yards three weeks into the season just on the ground alone. So Dallas is not very good against the run. And keep in mind, Dallas has yet to face an elite running team. Uh, Cleveland, one of the best running teams in the National Football League. Dallas, uh, not one of the best against the run. And they're going up against their first elite running team here this season. So that's one reason I believe that the, the, the Browns can beat the Cowboys coming up on Sunday. My other reason is, is of course, Cleveland's desperate. As we talked about earlier, right now, I, I, the winner of the NFC East can have an under-500 record and probably make the playoffs. That's how bad that division is. So the Cowboys, although they are getting sick of losing, and they've been right there in every game this year, this is a team that could very easily be three and zero. They want to, you know, they could be four and zero if they win on Sunday. But again, they're just trying to get back up uh, to three and one on the season. They could do that with a win against Cleveland. I just think that though the the Browns are more desperate than the Cowboys to get a win. And the other reason I believe that the Browns could win on Sunday coming up, the Browns at some point are going to have to air it out. They can't be safe the entire time. And I really wonder if sometimes you are restricting this team too much, and I think there could be something there. I believe this could be a good passing team if they open it up and don't play so cautious. We talked about Stefanski. Stefanski has always had to play it, you know, be a little cautious. He had Keenum in Minnesota. You had to be cautious with him. Baker, who a lot of people compare to Keenum, I think has more skill, as a uh, better skill set as a thrower. If they get forced into a situation where they have to pass the ball because the Browns haven't been down since week one, I think you might see be a little surprised by what the Browns could do through the years. So those are my three reasons why I believe the Browns could win coming up on Sunday.
2: Alright. We're on the same page, man. We're definitely on the same page. Is that computer? Yeah, it did. I didn't jump this time. I didn't <laughs> jump this time. Okay. Uh, for me, it's uh, the Cowboys defense is very middle of the road. Not only, uh, like you talked about, they're giving up running yards, but they're also giving up 277 passing yards a game. So they're giving up yards through the air and the ground. And the Browns do that because number two they are a balanced team i know we look at them being a heavy run team but they pass very effectively they've been very efficient in their two wins in the passing game so i am predicting a over-the-top play from obj from off that play action fake because they do give up big plays they gave up a ton of big plays to seattle why can't the browns do that and, go, ahead, go ahead.
1: No, I mean, the oh. Browns want to be a good team. They, they have to be able to do the same thing that Seattle did against the Cowboys. If The Browns want to be looked at as a legit, solid team. They, gonna, they can't just be so cautious all the time. They're going to have to let their strengths come to play here. Being cautious is not a
2: strength. Right. And the number one reason why the Browns can win, Baker is coming home, baby. Baker's going back home. He's won high school championships in that stadium. He's won Big 12 championships in that stadium. He's from Texas. He's coming home. Baker Mayfield, be on the lookout for a big game from Baker. All right. Point the flag. Going three and out. Three reasons. Yeah, exactly. Three
1: reasons why the Browns will win on Sunday. Let's go into our three reasons why the Browns will lose. For the same reason that you think they're going to win, I think they're going to lose. I'm worried that Baker's going to play outside of himself. The reason the Browns are off to a 2-1 and start is because Baker has bought into the Stefanski system. He's been able uh, to—I mean, Baker has been a big-time, high-volume passer everywhere he has been. High school, Mm college— That's how he won the Heisman. He didn't win the Heisman throwing for 150 yards a game. He won the Heisman because he could air it out, and he's bought into the system of being of not being the centerpiece of why this team is winning. And he's done solid. He's done a great job the first three games. My concern is with returning home, with having so many friends and family in the stadium. He might play outside uncharacteristic to what has led to them having success here early on. Might force some things. That's one reason why I believe the Browns could potentially lose coming up on Sunday. The other reason too that I believe that the Browns are going to lose on. Sunday is, simply put, the defense. The defense has been atrocious. Um, ESPN's Jake Trotter, who covers the Browns, cornerback, uh, he tweeted this out earlier, the injury report, no Greedy Williams. Adrian Claiborne is out. Uh, Tay Davis, again, linebacker, all listed as out for Sunday. Odell Beckham Jr. is good to go as far as the offense is concerned. But look at all those names on the defensive side. How about Denzel Ward, who returned last week and then left. He has an injured groin. He's questionable on Sunday as well. Um, you know, as far as the offense, and then Olivier Vernon, too. Olivier Vernon, he's also questionable uh, with an ab injury. So that's a lot of defensive pieces. That even when they're healthy, they're a questionable defensive team. Dallas has one of the most explosive offenses. Dak Prescott has been unstoppable through the air, first three games. I expect that trend to continue. I am concerned about the Browns' defense against the pass. And the third reason, again, the Cowboys have only given up 831 passing yards in the first three games. They're actually really good against the pass. Mm-hmm. Well, Baker doesn't throw the ball well, but my thing is you're going to have to throw the ball. You have to throw the ball to keep up with Dak Prescott in this offense. Baker Mayfield and the Browns, you will not have success this year if Baker has to, is only throwing the ball for 150 yards a game. You could finish around seven to eight wins at that pace, but if you want to be a legit playoff team, if you want to contend uh, you know, for the division, you want to do all those things, you have to be able to air it out. Not every week, but against the teams that you have to do it against, they have to air it out against the Cowboys. Maybe not be the uh, the tone setters with that, but Baker's going to have to prove that he can play that way if they need him to. We know they're a primary running team, but if Baker has that in his back pocket to be able to air it out with Dak Prescott, then that's going to give the Browns the versatility to play multiple different ways. They could win games in different ways. If he is going to only throw the ball for 153 yards a game, they're not not a playoff team. And as much as I love Baker, if you have to be a run-only team... Because you can't pass the ball, then you don't have a quarterback, and I'm concerned about that moving forward. That's why I believe the Browns are going to lose on Sunday.
2: All right. Mine are kind of different from yours. Uh, Number three, fans. They're going to have 20,000 fans in the stands at Jerry's World. A distinct advantage over a lot of other teams. We talked about this before the season even started, how some stadiums were going to have fans and some weren't and we both said it's an unfair advantage if one stadium can't have fans nobody should be able to have fans but in this case the cowboys going to have 20,000 cowboys fans and they're going crazy so they definitely have a home field advantage uh number two injuries not only is kareem hunt questionable for the game your number two running back your number one cornerback denzel ward also questionable for the game kind of need denzel ward out there They got three receivers out there. Cowboys. He's got to match up with somebody. Is he going to go out there hobbled? Is he going to play at all? We don't know. So that's a big question mark for me. And the number one reason the Browns can lose this game is Dak and his weapons. He's got a ton of weapons. They have the number one offense in the NFL. Nope, not KC. Not my guy, Russell Wilson. Nope. The Dallas Cowboys have the number one offense in the league. A lot of weapons. And the Browns' defense is... Eh? They're just like Eh? Denzel Ward?
1: Questionable. (laughs) Questionable. All right, we're tight on time. We're pressed on time. So let's go three and out with the Cincinnati Bengals. Three reasons why I believe they're going to win. For one, the one reason I think they're going to win on Sunday is Joe Burrow has played too well to start the season to go, well, 0-3-1, I guess, with that (laughs) time, I think he's going to have a really good game again, though. It's not really about whether or not we think he's going to have a good game or not. He's really played really well. The bottom line is they just have to stay upright. Uh, I have to get through this quickly because we're up against the clock, but keep in mind... They're going to win because, for one, just, uh, he's, uh, Joe Burrow's going to have a really good game. He'll play really well. The Jaguars aren't really that good. Their pass rush is not that strong. So even if the uh, you know questionable, the, the bad offensive line that the Bengals have, which it is bad it's not they're not going to be facing a Miles Garrett they're yeah. not going to be facing the the pass rush that they faced the last couple of weeks um, so that's going to be the plus for them as far as that's concerned as far as the, them losing it could be a mental thing they they feel they've played really well and yet they end up with a tie last week and they come right. back this week and keep fighting hard if they lose to the Jaguars that's when you really got to start questioning Zach Taylor moving forward like there's been excuses the first couple weeks. That O line is horrible, but you still got to beat bad teams like the Jaguars. I will be screaming for Zach Taylor's job, just like the Jets fans are screaming for their head coach's job. If they go 0-3 and 4, or 0-3 and 1 to start the season, Zach Taylor has to go. He has to go. Get him out of there. Keep the seat warm until Harbaugh gets let go from the Ravens after the season. Uh, and there you go. But Zach Taylor should have never been hired. He's not the guy. He won't be the guy. If they lose to the Jaguars this
2: week. He should be canned. Uh, for me, it's real simple. It's it's what's next for the Bengals. They lost two, they tied, now it's time for a win. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars' defense is giving up 250 yards passing per game. And they haven't played like weapons that you're going to play with the Bengals. Bengals have a lot of receivers. Some receivers aren't even playing because they can't get on the field because they have so many of them. So I'm looking for a big passing game from Joe Burrow and his wide receivers. And the number one reason why they should win. This is the one game on the schedule outside of the Washington football team that you say, all right, we got this, at least from the fans' perspective. So, you know, for that prediction, for me to have them win five games, they got to start winning, and this is one of them that they got to win. As Reasons why they would lose, Minshew, he's a playmaker. I don't necessarily think that he's the guy for them, but he's a guy like Patrick, He's going to be in the NFL for a very long time. He's going to be one of those guys that, all right, man, if he's a backup, you don't feel horrible about it. So I think Minchu can make enough plays running around back there like a chicken with his head cut off. Uh, number two, DJ Shark is coming back. Their number one receiver is going to be back in the lineup. So him plus Minchu means problems for the Bengals because number three, no Geno, no Mike Daniels, no Logan Wilson, and also – Oh, he's out too? All right, we'll add that to it. Dunlap and no Mackenzie Alexander. He is doubtful for the game. Your number one cornerback that you spent a lot of money on on offseason. So they got a lot of guys out on defense and they're getting their number one guy back. So that's going to be key. That is definitely going to be key. Again, the Bengals, you have to win no this Dunlap. game. No Dunlap.
1: Win this game. So three fourths of your starting defensive line is out. Yep. Yikes. Injury report came out today. It wasn't good for the Cincinnati Bengals. So, again, there'll be that excuse. If they lose to the Jaguars, it's, oh, this and that. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Beat the bad teams. Beat the bad teams. And that is our ESPN Dayton's three and out with the Cincinnati Bengals and your Cleveland Browns. Real quick, David Kendrick on Facebook says, Miles Garrett is coming home, too. Uh, so he's also making his return home. But, uh, you know. Won't be a swinging of the helmet type of affair like we saw against Pittsburgh a year ago. Uh, Justin Nagler, Noggy he says uh, Bengals by 17 on Sunday. Wow. He says he bets his John Kitna signed jersey. It's a $17,000 value. What size is it? <laughs> yeah, what trash can does it fit in? That's <laughs> small trash can, large, what have you. All right, more of the Justin Kinner Show. Now.
2: The Miamisburg Vikings versus the Centerville Elves. It's the ESPN Dayton High School Football Game of the Week. Tune in this Friday night at 7 o'clock as Justin Kinner.